0: Welcome to the Rural Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Dana Larson. This week, we're with Elise Shostrom of Redhead Creamery in Bruton, Minnesota, where you will find ridiculously good farmstead artisan cheese made by Elise herself. After working out of state for other cheesemakers, Elise brought what she learned back to her family dairy farm and started Redhead Creamery, something she has been dreaming of since she was 16. She's sharing about the cheesemaking process, the agritourism part of the farm that includes tours, dinners, and an on-the-farm shop, and how some temporary changes for COVID have been so successful that they will now become a permanent part of the way they do business. Plus, you'll love the cows mooing in the background and feel like you're right there on the farm during this interview. So here we go with Elise Showstrom. Here with Elise Shostrom of Redhead Creamery in Bruton, Minnesota. Elise, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Well,
1: tell us a little bit about you. Were you born and raised in Bruton? I was. Uh, we are on our dairy farm about eight miles north of Bruton uh, in the middle of nowhere, yet the middle of everything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yes,
1: yes. so... I studied food marketing at the University of Minnesota and then uh, worked for a food broker for about a year out of college. But then my husband got a job in Vermont, and so we moved out there for a couple of years, and I found a job in cheese, luckily, as that's what I was looking for. And uh, so I worked for Grafton Village Cheese Company for almost two years uh, before we then moved to Wisconsin for a couple of years and I got to work for Crave Brothers Farmstead Cheese there who were my inspiration for making cheese in the first place and then uh, when we got pregnant with our daughter Lucy we uh, moved home basically she was three weeks old when we moved so wow. <laughs> I always recommend if you're going to move with an infant three weeks is like the ultimate time <laughs> <laughs>
0: you and your family have been dairy farmers for generations has cheese
1: making always been a part of that no I am a first generation cheesemaker uh, we still have family in Germany in the dairy industry so yes it's definitely something in our blood uh, and weirdly now my parents my dad is the last of our family still dairy farming in the U.S. So proud to be able to still keep that on in a way. I mean, cheesemaking is is an offshoot of dairy farming, but we need the dairy farm to keep it going. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about that. Where did the idea come from for cheesemaking? I always knew that I wanted to raise a family on this dairy farm or somewhat related to the way that I grew up which I when I think back about that now it's really interesting because I grew up in when well, I was born in 85 so right at the heart of the 80s farm crisis and my parents were really struggling and uh, at that time and I had no idea but loved the way I was raised and grew up so I always just find that interesting looking back now that my children's lifestyle is so much different and um, you know we're on the same farm but the you know they're dealing with customers and not cows as much we have cows on our window but it's very different but anyways I knew I wanted them to you know be part of this I'd hoped to find a partner in agriculture uh, or who grew up on a dairy farm. And luckily my husband, Lucas did, and we can share that commonality. Um, But I was in 4-H and visited Crave Brothers Farmstead Cheese on a national 4-H conference trip. And that was like my aha moment of, oh, I didn't realize I could make cheese. And I've always loved food. My mom is a really great uh, cook, and food has always kind of been what our life revolved around. So it was it was something that I it just kind of clicked that this is what I'm gonna do. I'll figure it out. And um, luckily, have very supportive parents uh, who are also good at nudging and encouraging to learn more and make sure I knew enough (laughs) before (laughs) getting started. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of where it got started, but it continues to evolve and change and especially this year. Uh, So it's been an interesting and a fun ride.
0: Yeah. So did you intentionally go other places just to learn the craft?
1: Well, it's interesting because the reason we moved was all for my husband's jobs. Uh, But I just found cheese companies in those locations. So our story sounds like we're doing all of this because I want to make cheese someday. But it was all revolving around his positions and what he was doing. Uh, And I just found something to do on the side, basically. I love it. So what
0: was the learning process like? I mean that is just bringing a whole new branch into your family dairy operation.
1: Yes. It's, the learning process is ongoing. It, <laughs> um, I had really good advice when I was in college that, you know, anyone can learn how to make cheese, but you're going to need to get it sold. And and so that's why I studied food marketing and it's something that I really enjoy also. Uh, but then beyond that just asking questions and gaining experience Uh, I did take an intensive course at the University of Vermont uh, for artisan cheese making and then just continually taking online courses or um, I'm part of the American Cheese Society and they have an annual conference every year where that's kind of my my main educational point but um, still always learning kind of as we go, but using my network of cheesemakers and relying on them to help me when I'm in trouble or help me celebrate if we succeed in anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always great to have
0: a community, right? To yes. encourage each other and learn from and all the things. Yes. Tell us about the cheesemaking process because I think it's probably a lot more detailed than a lot of us realize and we don't know what goes into it.
1: Yeah, no, it's almost so detailed that you sometimes cringe when people ask. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But um, so on our farm, we are farmstead, which means we have the cows right here on our farm uh, and we're using only our milk. And So we are pipelining the milk from our milk room the morning that we are making cheese we we get that milk straight from the cow and so milk comes out of a cow at i think it's 101 degrees fahrenheit and i get it at about 90 degrees once it enters my pasteurizer tank um but we're we're skipping that cooling down process which is really nice for you know the less you handle something the better quality it's going to have and the less you're kind of messing with the fat and protein of it so um so when we make fresh cheese curds that's like as fresh as it's gonna get (laughs) but um you basically need four key ingredients you need milk you need cultures which are bacteria that help uh, create the flavor profile of the cheese you're trying to make Um, you can get those either through a supplier of cultures. Uh, it comes in a little packet of freeze-dried powder, basically. Um, some people utilize natural bacteria uh, by either saving milk from the prior make and making their cheese that way, or there's other ways as well. Um, but we, we purchase cultures so that we know what we're going to get. Um, for the most part, anyways. <laughs> and um, so you need milk cultures, then you need rennet, which is the coagulant that solidifies milk or makes it, you know, jello or pudding like. Uh, and then you need salt. And salt provides flavor, but it also is a preservative um, so that the pH doesn't continue to drop in the cheese. It makes it a safe product to eat. Um, and to extend its shelf life and that's the whole purpose of making cheese is to extend the shelf life of milk um, and I always I always get on my soapbox about salt because I always laugh when a bag of potato chips says no added preservatives and it's like I'm sure there's plenty of salt <laughs> in those in those potato chips but <laughs> um, so yes so you need those four ingredients to make cheese um and then you know for us if we're making fresh cheese curds that process is done within the day you know it's best to eat fresh cheese curds the day they're made if we're making our cave aged cheddar or our brie or another cheese they have to age so um so we have cave like environment rooms in our plant that Our temperature and humidity controlled based on whatever cheese we're putting in that room. So our cheddars have to age up to six months minimum. Our brie, we try to hold on to for about two to three weeks before it gets sold. Um, So it's all planning and trying to keep your inventory stable. which we've been good at for a while, but now we're struggling a little bit again with that. (laughs) But um, so that's kind of, I mean, very broad. It's not very specific on how cheese is made, but it's is—it's a very labor-intensive task, especially the way we do it. Um, And so, uh, which is what I like about that. I like doing physical work. And I think, you know, a lot of people who farm or in agriculture, they like to physically do something and that's why they're in that industry and cheese making is the same. Um, and you end up with a physical tangible product at the end of the day, you're not typing numbers and excited that you got a column done on your Excel sheet. I, I, I do get excited about that, but I had to do it every day. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's, it's a hard, it's hard work. Um, But it's, it's really rewarding. And, uh, you know, if you like to make bread or any kind of fermented food in that way, it's very satisfying as well. Uh, So it's very scientific, but also very much an art form as well. And I think that's why we like it so much.
0: Yeah. So is your whole family involved in the process?
1: Um, My parents? and my husband are involved. My husband also has a full-time off-site job, Um, but my sisters are not. My youngest sister did marketing with me for a really long time. Um, She's going to grad school now for psychology, so she is off doing her own thing, Um, but I rope them in whenever I can. (laughs) They're all redheads, so you kind of have to utilize that whenever you get the opportunity. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Do you
0: solely sell your cheeses at the farm? Are they available other places?
1: No. So we do, you know, it's different at the moment, but we were doing about probably 18% of our sales off of the farm and then the rest is wholesale. So we are bringing our cheeses to a distributor in the Twin Cities, Uh, There's also one in Chicago and a distributor in California that we are working with uh, in order to get our cheeses elsewhere. Yeah, Um, Most of it goes to the Twin Cities, um, but we are trying to get it spread throughout the country a little bit more as well.
0: Yeah. So was that kind of your goal when you started, mostly going the wholesale direction and getting distributors lined up?
1: It was more what I was familiar with. Um, When I worked at Grafton Village Cheese, I kind of led the mail order department, and um, they had a long history of doing that, so they already had a huge customer base, Um, but building that is really difficult um, to ship direct to people, which we are doing and building that also, Uh, but it's just, it works to to be diverse, really. You almost have to do a little bit of all of it so that you don't have all your eggs in one basket. Yeah.
0: You also do some dinners and tours at the farm?
1: Yes, yeah. So I mentioned my mom being a great cook earlier. Um, She does private dinners in our shop uh, where we seat um, from 15 to, I think, 26 is our max people, Uh, and do kind of a, you know, just a great steak or chicken dinner, and uh, it's very intimate, and we really enjoy doing those. Um, And then, yes, farm tours, you know, the agri-tours inside of what we do is all at a halt right now with COVID, but was a huge part of our business, and uh, we would get, you know, over... I would say 50 to 75 people on between Friday and Saturday during the summertime coming for a farm tour and they're just starving for a way, an opportunity to see animals and to see what people really are doing on their farm. And we love the opportunity to do that versus them going online and finding whatever they can online. <laughs> so, So it's, it's actually a little, it's, I struggle in my mind right now of how can I be still providing that without spending so much time on a screen um, for people to experience our farm a little bit as well, but we'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on the business side of things,
0: what has been the most important thing that you've learned through the process of building this business?
1: Most important, I would say, to be flexible. Uh, some, I don't know how I learned it or who taught me that, to um, never say no. And I don't mean that in a you should do everything and be everything. I mean it more um, if an opportunity comes, don't say no to it right away. You can You can push it off. Or say that's an idea and think about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, um,
1: because you never know what might change and what opportunity might end up really working. Um, so being open-minded and flexible, and um, I'm turning it more in, into more than one thing. But being, you know, being open to people's criticisms and suggestions, and uh, and working with it instead of pushing back. I think is really important and is how it's worked here so far. That's good. What
0: has been the most rewarding thing?
1: Um I would say working with my family is probably the most rewarding part of it now seeing my oldest is 7 uh, and she's really starting to show interest in wanting to help. Um, and that's really cool because I, I've tried so hard not to make them resent the creamery because I'm there all the time (laughs) (laughs) and want them to want to be there and to know more about cheese and, and eat all the crazy kinds of cheese. Uh, and they do. And I love that. So, uh, that's probably the best part when they, have just as much love for what you're doing as you do and they see what you're doing to make it happen uh, that's pretty cool absolutely how has COVID affected
0: your business I know I've seen a few posts from you about this
1: yeah yeah it's like our lives right now (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we actually I think it was the the second week after it was like the week after being the state being shut down I knew I was going to have 200 pounds of extra cheese curds and had to figure out what to do with it and my husband's like let's let's offer to deliver a warm and fresh to people that night I'm like okay so he he posted online that morning as we are making cheese which are kind of busy days for us and it was like Christmas or even worse it was like <laughs> Within two hours, we had over 200 pounds of cheese curds sold plus additional cheese. You know, they went to our website and ordered all sorts of stuff. Uh, so we had to cut it off because we needed to get the orders filled before <laughs> we left three hours later. So um, so from there, we decided to start doing deliveries. And um, it's not a perfect system by any means, but it has kept us in business for sure um we are delivering to the twin cities which is two hours away from us and uh, Fargo which is two hours the other direction and then we're going to Sioux Falls and Rochester and kind of switching those weeks off up but um it's been amazing the excitement people have for getting cheese delivered to their door and uh, we're doing it all In a safe way and um, really connecting with our customers in a way that I haven't until now. You know, we normally get them in our shop um, or hear about them at cheese shops in the Twin Cities, but this was a whole new level of dealing with customers, (laughs) (laughs) their questions, things on Facebook and our website. But um, so, in that way, it's really busy and has not slowed down and my brain is kind of tired of being creative, which I never thought I would imagine. But um, but it's also really quiet. Uh, our shop is closed. So we're just doing um, pickup only. You have to order ahead of time and pick up. Um, so there's no cars in our yard except for employees. Uh, and I have my Saturdays mostly free. So it's, some of it's kind of nice, <laughs> but, um, but it has been, um, interesting and a struggle to figure out, okay, what's next and how do we get ahead of this so that we can be ready for the next moment. Um, cause I, I know there will be no normal again, or you we won't go back to what normal was for anyone. So that's where my brain is in a complex of how do I figure this out next?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you and so many others.
1: <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs> what do you love? Let's talk about Bruton a little bit. What do you love about your community and what has
1: been the best part of moving back? Um, I think the, there are people who like being known who they are and then there's people who like to just not be known when they walk down the street i really like that i don't like the over attention that some people do but i appreciate people understanding who i am and where i came from because it seems like you can get a lot more additional things accomplished or achieved because of that um and just the support that we have uh we actually you know we do some things in Bruton. Um, but we actually do a lot in Sock Center as well. And that's where we went to school. So both communities have been so embracing and almost have this feeling of ownership themselves when they find our products in other towns or other states. They like almost can't believe it. <laughs> and, um, so that's been really cool. Um, I think it's just kind of a feeling of comfort mostly. I don't really get out that much from here. And if I do, it's in the Twin Cities more so than locally. So um, it's different, but I I do like it and always knew I wanted to be back here. That's great, I love that.
0: Well, what's next for you? If I feel bad even asking this question because you in some ways (laughs) don't know, but what is next for you in Redhead Creek?
1: (laughs) We're actually, we don't know, but uh, we're trying to figure out, do we, you know, the word pivot has been used so often in the last two months, but we, you know, we're really having to do that, and part of that's kind of exciting. I don't like being stagnant and doing the same thing for too long, and I always compare that to when I was a kid and I always rearranged my room every two weeks because I got bored of it. <laughs> but, um, so I don't know for sure. Um, I would like to make butter someday. So, you know, adding product line, uh, we've talked about diversifying in other ways that would be, um, beneficial to the creamery as well in terms of distribution or uh, other products that complement um but it's really hard to say and we literally have a lot of things up in the air within this week that we're kind of mulling over so I might know more next week already <laughs> I guess it's a good reason we are- to follow you <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but we are we are planning to buy a refrigerated vehicle because of all of this, and um, I'm really looking forward to designing the the, the images on it. <laughs> yes,
0: definitely, that's right up my alley. <laughs> yeah, right,
1: but yeah, but long term, you know, I I've already taught someone to also make cheese so that I don't have to be the one making it, which is very new for me in the last three months. I have a three-month-old, so <laughs> I had to oh, wow. find someone. Um, and then continually evolving that and empowering my employees to feel like it's something they're proud of as well. And, and growing that team to be as passionate about what we're doing as we are so that we can keep growing and changing at the way smaller businesses can. And that'll keep it really fun, I think. Yes.
0: Well, how do we follow along and keep up with everything that you guys have going on?
1: Yeah, you can follow on our Facebook page. uh, It's Redhead Creamery. Uh, We also have an email newsletter that you can sign up through Facebook as well. Uh, I also have an Instagram page, which is Redhead Creamery. um, And our website. It's all all redheadcreamery.com or just plain Redhead Creamery.
0: (laughs) And can people order through your website? Do you ship outside of your region?
1: Yes, we ship all around the country. I had cheese go to Guam about a month ago and got there in good shape, so we know we can do that as well. So yes, there's a way to order our cheese on our website, and we're also um, we also carry other Minnesota cheeses as well. So trying to support our fellow artisan cheesemakers also. I love that.
0: Okay. Well, we will link to all of that in the show notes and get some orders and (laughs) coming your way. Awesome. Elise, thank you so much for being on the podcast and for making time for this during such a crazy time. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. No, you know, sometimes you, it's good to even do these things during this time, just to reflect on, on what's going on and and help center yourself on you are okay, we're going to go through this. (laughs) Yes, yes.
0: Well, I love that Elise is living out the dream she's had since she was 16 and how she's diversifying her family's dairy farm and how great that they've been able to pivot during COVID and are having a lot of success with that huge thanks to Elise for being on the podcast. And thanks to you for tuning in and staying with us as we record these podcasts remotely. We look forward to being back out on the road soon. But until then, stay healthy and safe and have a great day, everybody.